Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And we're doing an in-depth study in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And last time we saw what happened on the day of Pentecost. Today we're going to go on a journey through the book of Acts and see how the same experience happened again and again in the book of Acts and what we can learn from that. We saw that there is a twofold experience of the Holy Spirit, that the blessing of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit is in two parts, the Spirit within and the Spirit upon. The Spirit within is for ourselves, our own life of holiness with God. The Spirit upon is to empower us to be a witness and to uh, share the life of God with others. And we saw that with Jesus. He was born with the Spirit within him and had a perfect uh, walk with God until he was 30, but he never did any miracles. He didn't have the power to minister as a man under the power of God until he received the Spirit upon him at his baptism, and that's when he entered into his supernatural ministry. So the Spirit upon is, is power for ministry. And then we saw the same pattern with the first Christians. On the day of the resurrection, uh, Jesus um, actually appeared to them in the evening and he it says it breathed in upon them and he said to them receive the holy spirit and so that they received the spirit within them that's when they were born again every true christian who's born again has the spirit within them um, but then they didn't have the full experience yet because having received the spirit within he started to prepare them over the next 40 days to receive the Spirit upon them. And that actually was going to happen 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. For example, we read in Acts 1, he says, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he said, You've heard from me. I've been talking about it for the last 40 days. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they were baptized with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And in verse 8, he describes what this experience means. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the baptism of the Spirit is the Spirit coming upon us. And, it, and this power is for a purpose. You shall be my witnesses to, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so on the day of Pentecost, as we saw last time, that's when they received this power. And, it des and it's described in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place on the temple, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And so this is the Spirit coming upon them, and it was manifested as fire. Now we... we the next verse explains why the Spirit was manifested as fire, um, it, because there, we saw last time there's a comparison with the oil lamp. The source of light in those days was, was, fire, was the oil lamp that, that uh, was powered by the oil that come through the wick to the surface, through the mouth, and then when the, uh, that is ignited, that manifests as light and fire. And the picture is that we are meant to be lights for the Lord. We, and as we witness, we light for the Lord. And so actually when we start speaking God's words, when we, when we prophesy, when we speak 
under the power of the Spirit, we in the spiritual realm, it's like there's a fire upon us. There is a light shining out of us, and especially when we witness. And, and so this fire that was ignited above them was ignited because they were speaking the words of the Spirit. We see that in verse 4. They were all filled, and this is the in, the, their experience from the inside. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so what was happening is, because they were surrendering, God, Jesus had prepared them, they, to, to, that they were to go on his mission. And so as they dedicated themselves and surrendered to him to do that mission, he was able to fill them with the Holy Spirit from within. They already had the Spirit within. They were filled and they allowed the Holy Spirit to take control of their tongue. And so they began to speak with other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them the words. And so they surrendered their tongue to the Holy Spirit. And now, as it were, they were clothed with power. The Spirit came upon them. And because they were speaking those words of the Spirit, praise God, the oil of the Spirit was upon them and they spoke those words that ignited the oil and they were shining as lights. And God was saying, right now, you're my oil lamps. You are now ready to shine the light of the gospel to the whole world. And that's exactly what they did. They turned the world upside down. Well, we're going to see this same twofold pattern throughout the book of Acts. Um, but I want to explain that this, this is not an artificial construct. This twofold anointing of the Spirit comes from the very nature of things. That is, from the very nature of a love relationship. You see, in its essence, the Christian life is meant to be a love relationship with the Lord. God is love. He's the source of all love. And we can't love without him. It says we love him because he first loved us. And it says that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. And th this is love from God. He, he pours out his love into our hearts. And it also can mean and does mean the love of God has been poured into our hearts is, is love for God. So we receive his love and also now we want to love him back. And this is all created in us through the Holy Spirit working in us to love God from our hearts. This is not just to love God from our will. Yes, that's important to be committed to God, but to be in love with God also in our emotions. And, and that's what you see in the Psalms is a man in love with God, written from a heart of love. And so God commands us, we must love the Lord our God with all our heart. That's the commitment of our will with all our soul, that's with our, our emotions, and with all our mind, and that is we need to desire to know him more through his word, and with all our strength, that is we want to please him by our obedience, manifesting our love for him by the way we do his will. This is the, the first commandment, this is the main commandment. And so the Holy Spirit, who, God is love, and the Holy Spirit is the one who creates this love in, in our soul. Praise God. And so this is all the work of the Holy Spirit within us. When we're born again, he creates this love in our soul that's meant to fill our heart and our emotions and our, our mind. And so when we receive Christ, we are responding to the gospel uh, 
it's the gospel of his love for us. And we are responding in love by giving ourselves to God as a response to his love for us. And so the Christian life is all about loving God. It's not keeping a set of rules. All the Christian things we do, going to church, living good lives, is actually should be an expression of our love for God. And when we sin, it, it displays our lack of love for God because actually we're valuing other things more than him. That's what 1 John 2 means when it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Put them first above God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, you are not loving God. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so we're called to love the God first. And, and it says that love is meant to control our lives. And that means giving our, every part of ourselves to God. And that is what the Bible means by holiness. And we renew this love every day as we commit and dedicate ourselves to him through our praise, through our worship. And as we do that, his hand, his spirit, his presence uh, fills us with his love and the joy and his peace. And implicit in this love relationship we have with God uh, is a commitment to help him fulfill his mission in the earth, to be alongside him in his work as a co-laborer to work with him. You know, it's like Adam and Eve. You imagine how much they were in love at the beginning. And, and Adam had this work that God gave him to do. And part of Eve's love for Adam would have been to come alongside him in that work and to, and to work together with Adam to help him in that work. And so in the same way, we have received the love of Christ. And the next response of our heart should be, now, Lord, I want to work with you. I want to help you in your mission on the earth. And, and now that's where it leads to the baptism in the Spirit. It's when we start to say, Lord, I want to carry out your mission, the Great Commission in the earth, because I love you. I want your name to be glorified in the earth. Please use me in that. Please give me your power to do that. And so at first, when we become a Christian, we may not realize this imperative very much. And there, there may need to be a time in which the foundation of our love relationship with God is laid before God emphasizes to us phase two, that he is calling us to, to work with him, to be his uh, uh, laborer in the gospel. You know, uh, until that foundation of that love relationship with Christ is laid, our work for him can become an idol. We can substitute the ministry for loving him and we end up serving in the flesh. But when our love for the Lord is established as the first thing, he can then move us into our ministry without it becoming more important than him. That's, we must keep him as our first love. Then, when we are ready, he will reveal his mission to us and cause us to dedicate ourselves to him, to do our part in fulfilling his mission on the earth as part of our expression of our love for him. He loves us and he wants to fulfill our he wants us to fulfill our full potential and release all the gifts that he's given us. And so when we dedicate and surrender ourselves to him to fulfill his mission, he anoints us with his spirit upon his hand comes upon us to empower us to do the great commission and he releases the gifts of the spirit within us. 
And so we, uh, the Great Commission involves us witnessing uh, to unbelievers, uh, discipling believers, and also praying for, for them both. All of those things are through our words. And we release God's power through those words. Our Romans 1.9, Paul says, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. In other words, he, serve, he doesn't serve from his soul, from his self-life. He serves God from his spirit, through, from his love for God. And he serves him in the gospel of his son. How does he serve him? By witnessing, by speaking the gospel. That's how you serve God. And, and that without ceasing, I make mention you of you always in my prayers. And so we serve God by surrendering to his power and releasing our prayers and releasing our witness. And that way we are, God can flow through us. And uh, he talks in Romans 7 about that we serve in the newness of life. When you, when you live out of your love for God, you experience that newness of life. And we serve God out of that. And so this two-stage experience is in the very nature of things. First of all, we have to receive God's love and have that love relationship. And then that, that love relationship brings us into that place where we are to work for God, to fulfill his mission. And then we need a special endowment of power to do that. And so let's look in the book of Acts. We've seen what happened on the day of Pentecost. We now go to see what happened to the Samaritans. Remember in Acts 1.8 it says, You'll receive power when the Spirit's come upon you, and, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem rather, and Judea. That was in Acts 2 and so on. Then it says, and then in Samaria. That was the next place. Well, it was given to Philip the Evangelist to reach out to Samaria. Let's read that. Acts 8.5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. So they had received the word, and then later on it says that they were also baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And remember it says those who believe and are baptized are saved. So they're definitely saved, they're definitely born again. But why did they send Peter and John to them, verse 15, who when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit? Now, they had actually received the Spirit within them, but they hadn't received the Spirit upon them as the others did on the day of Pentecost. So their, their experience was incomplete. They were saved, they were born again, but they had not received the Holy Spirit upon them. And, and the fact that we're talking about the Spirit upon, not within, is made clear from the next verse. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So notice they'd, they would receive Christ, they had the Spirit within them, um, because it says if anyone doesn't have this, this Holy Spirit, he is not of Christ and he doesn't belong to Christ. So they had the Spirit within, but they had not received the Spirit upon. They hadn't received that power. So that absolutely proves that there is a two-stage experience of receiving the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, this is a special case because, you know, it was important the apostles validated everything in Samaria, but that 
that doesn't deal with the uh, the problem because clearly they had a two-stage experience so if you say that necessarily everything happens at one moment in the new birth that clearly is not true because they experienced it differently however much you want to explain it away it is not necessarily that you receive the spirit upon at the same time as the spirit within and normally it, it is soon after but not the same experience so they were saved and born again uh, even baptized and, uh, and and Philip wouldn't baptize them unless he was confident they were born again but they hadn't received the spirit upon and this proves that the baptism of the spirit is a separate experience that follows after salvation uh, so there is a twofold reception of the spirit within and upon um, then it, we see what actually happened then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon them. And something dramatic happened because we see the reaction of Simon, Simon who was a magician, uh, an occultist. And when Simon the magician saw that through the laying on of hands the Holy Spirit was given, imparted, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So this was an, a dramatic event, an obvious event, not just a, might say, well, I've received the Spirit within me. That's an invisible event. Nobody, you know, you, there's no outward evidence of that directly. But clearly something happened that Simon saw and was so impressed with all his occultic arts that he thought, I want this gift because I can make a lot of money out of this. And clearly something dramatic happened that proved that the Spirit came upon them. And obviously, and church history confirms this, that what actually happened was that when the Spirit came upon them, they all began speaking in other languages, supernaturally, just like on the day of Pentecost. And the proof of that is, is even in Peter's response. He says, Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought you could purchase the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Now, this word matter here has been, the translation misses the point because it's the word logos. And this is the word for, for word. Uh, Jesus is the word, he's the logos. And in other words, it would be better translated, you have neither port nor, port nor portion in this utterance. In other words, when they received the Spirit upon them, they all began speaking in, in other tongues. That's the evidence that you've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that you've surrendered your tongue to God, and you're speaking from your spirit rather than from your mind. And they were all speaking in tongues, and that's what... Simon actually wanted was the ability to get people speaking in tongues and he could make some money from that and Peter says no you have no place in this utterance you need to repent well now we go to the apostle Paul in Acts 9 he was saved it says uh, he, he fell to the ground he heard a voice saying to him Saul Saul why are you persecuting me and he said who are you Lord and the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So, so he trembled and was astonished and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I love that response. I want you to notice that Paul is saved right there. He, he, he submits to Jesus as his Lord. And immediately his love response is right there. I want to serve you. What do you want me to do? 
uh, and that's his dedication. That's right, means he's ready, right, to move into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, you'll be told what you must do. And um, Paul arose, it says, and he was blind, he couldn't uh, see anyone. And they led him by the hand to Damascus, and for three days now he was without sight and didn't eat or drink. And then the Lord speaks to Ananias, who tells him to, to go and minister to Paul. Um, he complains uh, a bit because Paul was the persecutor of the church. But God says, go, he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Notice Paul is immediate. God's already going to launch him into the ministry already because his, his love relationship is right there. He wants to serve God, all the more for the fact that he had persecuted him for so long. And yet God, Christ, still loved him. And so overcome by the love of Christ, Paul is ready, already to go and preach. And God says, I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, notice he called him brother, he was definitely saved. He's been saved for three days, but he hasn't been filled with the Spirit yet. Um, and he says, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So now Paul needed to have this second experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, as on the day of Pentecost, with the speaking of other tongues. And immediately, it says, he received his sight and he was baptised. And so Paul was filled with the Spirit three days after his salvation. Two different experiences. And it was, it's logical, although it doesn't talk about him speaking in tongues, it's logical that he did speak in tongues from this point. What we do know is that in 1 Corinthians, a few years later, he says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So he did speak in tongues. And if you kind of read the book of Acts, you'll understand that when it says they were filled with the Spirit, it implies, as on the day of Pentecost, that they spoke with other tongues. That's the evidence. And then we go to Acts 19. It says that Paul came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, it seems like these people were believers, but they didn't seem to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that, that power. Even this question proves that there's a two-stage experience. Because if you automatically got the fullness of the Spirit at salvation, this would be an invalid question. There must be a two-stage experience, otherwise Paul wouldn't ask, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Clearly, that isn't an automatic thing. That you believe and you receive Christ, but you receive the Spirit of God upon you at a later point. And he could tell that the Spirit was not upon them. And he was thinking, I'm going to get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. But their answer proves that they weren't even born again. So they said to them, we have not even so much as heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Well, that was a giveaway. They can't have been uh, saved uh, because, uh, you know... Uh, if in those days, if you were saved, you then got baptized, and you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these people haven't even received the Holy Spirit. So clearly, uh, it seemed like they weren't actually saved. And so he asked, well, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. So they were disciples of John the Baptist, but they hadn't actually received Christ yet. And then, so Paul starts with where they have knowledge and takes them from there. 
Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So he explained that John was the forerunner of Christ. He pointed people to Christ and said, you must believe on Christ to be saved. And essentially, Paul preached the gospel to them. And when they heard that, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they heard the gospel, they were saved. And then as the, the response they, of obedience, they were baptized. Baptism doesn't save you, but it is the rightful response. It, you, you fulfill all righteousness by being baptized. If you are not yet baptized in water, you have not adequately responded to the gospel. Um, and so... It's clear that they were saved, but they had not yet received the Spirit upon them. So notice they were, they were saved, they are now baptized, but they have not yet received the baptism of the Spirit because verse 6 proves that. It says, then after they were baptized, so they've been saved at least a few minutes, then Paul laid hands on them, the Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So notice again, that the Spirit came upon them as a separate experience and the evidence that they've been baptized in the Spirit was that they spoke in tongues. And that is a, an elementary form of prophecy because prophecy is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God on your tongue, uh, now you can release power through your praying, through your saying, through your witnessing, uh, because you are speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit. And when you speak those words under the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the fire of God is ignited on you. The, power, the light of God is shining out of you. Notice it says they also prophesied, which means they, they actually spoke in their own language under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that means they were now primed. They had the Spirit of God upon them, and they, they were primed to be God's witnesses because now the spirit of prophecy was upon them. They can speak and declare. And the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so the spirit of God is upon you in order that you may testify to Jesus, that you may share the gospel, and then God's power goes forth from you. You need that supernatural power upon you to share the gospel and be effective for Christ. And so the spirit upon empowers us to pray, to prophesy, to, to speak, for Christ. We're going to continue the journey through Acts next time. I trust this series on the baptism in the Holy Spirit has been exciting to you. And if you want to know more about this, I've preached this uh, in my church and we have eight CD messages. These are longer messages that uh, almost uh, an hour that I've preached in church. And uh, I believe that this will give you even more uh, insight into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Eight CDs, uh, and that will be a great blessing to you. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service. Or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel. All Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products, where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk. 
or by calling 01865 515 086.